everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name is Ben Jackson and once again I'll be your host. And as per usual, I am joined by Scott and Joris. Scott and Joris, how are you guys doing this evening? Hey guys, I'm really good. It's great to be back together again, especially after the international break. And didn't it take us long? Only one match day back and managers are harassing referees and asking them to check and counter-check VAR already. I'm looking at you, Florian Cofield. But as of recording, still no manager uh, has lost his job yet. So that's that's a positive, I guess. But let's see how how that will be when this episode comes out. <laughs> Fingers crossed for their own sakes. They'll still all be in a job by then. Um, yeah, no, you're right, Scott. That's definitely going to be a, a topic of discussion, uh, I think, on this episode. Quickly run through the results um, post-international break. Antwerp, they got... A nice, easy, comfortable win away at winless Westerlo, as we're going to start calling them now. That was 3-0. Molenbeek came from behind to beat a informed circle of Bruges, two goals to one. Genk went away to Udeon and they won 2-0. Club Bruges came from behind to beat Charleroi, four goals to two. Into Sunday, that game Scott was talking about, that ended 3-1 to Standard Liège over Urpham. Courtslike uh, were denied late by Anderlecht. That one finished two goals apiece. Leuven drew 1-1 with Ghent. And then St. Sudan won 2-0 over Carvey Mechelen. Let's head to the Kuip then uh, for the Wrestler against Antwerp. As I said, Wrestler going into this without a win in a league all season. That didn't change in this one. They were very much... I'll, I'll have to interrupt here, of course. The Cup is the one from Feyenoord and the Cup is from Westerlo. Not the week of you, <laughs> of course. That, yeah, sorry. Just uh, before we get all kinds of rectifications. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, why are they playing over there? <laughs> yeah, the Benny League hasn't officially started yet, um, if people were getting confused. Um, but yes, it only took Antwerp 15 minutes to take the lead. Really poor pay from Vestalo and this one. Uh, Gillikens playing it into the midfield area. The midfielder, I can't remember who it was now, I can't remember if it was Sidorchuk or Vanino, just not coming back to get the ball. Uh, Mandela Cater, as he so often does, was just so much quicker. Uh, this is this kind of, I, I think he did this, he's done this before, he did this against Union where he just kind of wins the ball back and sets up a goal. Did it here, drives into the box, squares it to Janssen, Janssen tucks it in, 1-0 to Antwerp. Could have been it could have been more for them, uh, but they didn't get the second one until the sixty-seventh minute. Yeli Batai with a really, really nice finish into the corner. Uh some fine work from Arta Vermeer and then set up the third goal, uh, which Muya just basically had to tap in to make it three nil. Yeah, as I said, just felt really, really comfortable for Antwerp. Veslo at home only eight shots. Uh Antwerp finishing with sixteen, fifty-nine percent of possession. And I think what kind of impressed me about this performance, guys, was that they've obviously got the game against Barcelona coming up and they weren't distracted ahead of that. Like They were, they could have gone into this game and been like, oh, thinking a little bit too much about that. But it felt like Van Bommel had them focused on this one and they were, yeah, comfortable winners over Vestalo, I have to say. Yeah, I didn't think it was a very good sign going into this game from Westerlo's point of view that uh, Jonas de Roque was saying uh, pre-match a couple of days before that um, he was hopeful that Antwerp might be a little bit distracted. Um, so that kind of underlined, you know, we know they've been struggling, stuttering somewhat with uh, Westerlo to kind of 
um, get into any kind of effective groove at all. And, you know, we've talked about how they don't quite look right yet. They just sort of don't look happy. And, um, yeah, that, that set the tone for me in, in you know, pre-match for this. Um, the performance wasn't much better, I thought. Um, Antwerp, very, very professional, uh, easy away win. Um, and, yeah, I much for Duroc to ponder if he's given a chance to ponder uh, for another few days because uh, some of the other results this weekend not entirely going their way either actually one in particular might buy him another week but I, I, I do think he's in trouble at the moment um, good good performance from Antwerp um, sometimes you know we know sides struggle uh, coping domestically and, and juggling European football and although they haven't played obviously the, the, their first Champions League game yet um, they, they, they're approaching the start of this really hectic period for them uh, very very well and often that's the way to go about it set a standard don't treat you know domestic football any differently to, to, to European football um, so yeah you're right Ben Mark Van Bommel will be absolutely delighted I think with the performance there kind of going into that um as well um and it maintains pressure on on other sides around around the top as well because i think some of antwerp's um well what sides that are hoping will be title challengers to them this year um, certainly in the playoff one spot i think are probably looking at europe um and hoping it might be a bit of a distraction for them and i had a concern before they'd qualified that if they did qualify they weren't going to be necessarily strong enough to really do anything on on both fronts and it might hamper them domestically but looking at this i i i might have been proved wrong early doors about that um because there was no indication um, that that Jonas was right that that anybody was looking particularly um, distracted at all. Great, great stuff from from Antwerp and a lot of worries. I think those Western low worries are starting to pile up a bit now. Well, the Antwerp things, it's very premature to say because I do think that a lot of it has also to do with the depth in that squad and you can't really judge that on one single game before yeah. the whole yeah. madness started, obviously. But uh, that's still, well... Also, the opposite is not, uh, can't say anything yet. That's the main message for that I'm saying here. Uh, it was the first win from Antwerp or, or the first loss from Westergo at home against Antwerp ever in an official game, uh, though. So that's uh, that's a nice statistic for this game. Uh, for Westerlo's side as well, then, well, I have written down defensive nightmare on the first, the second, and the third goal. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's not that's not really great. The first one being the worst of all, uh, I guess. And I'll, uh, coming back to what Ben said in his high, uh, high well, when, when he went through the game, yeah, I guess it was both players there, actually. Uh, so that's, um, yeah, the, 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 the definitely some defensive miscommunication there. Um, and um, yeah, and the keeper playing the ball there, of course. But on the other hand, I guess it, one of the two players should have um, take, taken taken care of that. But uh, and also, sixteen goals conceded now after seven games, not a healthy uh, average. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, you can get away with it, but then you need to score up front, and uh, that's also not happening so much as much as last season. Because to be honest, this. Had, they they had that last season as well a bit, um, but yeah. Antwerp then, well, I suppose a cruise control win, you could say. Uh, very efficient, three goals from four sh- shots on target. Um, yeah, that efficiency is definitely a quality that we have seen a, a few times yeah, this weekend, and we'll come back to it later as well. 
Um, but uh, and 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 for Janssen, it's also his fifth goal and also his fifth goal on Friday. Of course, that comes a bit with Antwerp playing relatively a lot on Friday in comparison to other teams as well. Um, Buya deserves a mention, I guess. Uh, not necessarily. I think we all three are not necessarily the biggest fan of his, but uh, his his uh, his, um, yeah his sub appearance really uh, went well, obviously with uh, with a goal and an assist. So uh, good for them. And yeah, for the Rook, um, yeah. You ca- also, I feel like you can't really judge him on this specific game, but um, yeah, they do definitely need to pick up points uh, at Westerlo soon against whoever. Maybe some luck just needs to go in that uh, into their favor. Um, but um, yeah, we think things do, do need to change quickly. Yeah, no, they really do. I think you, you kind of made a really good point there on me or yours. I think he is better off the bench. I think his style of play is better suited off the bench because he just kind of gets it and runs like wants to run with it and he's quite direct and I don't think it always works early doors but I think when they've got tired legs he's a little bit more effective um on Vesselo yeah you, you mentioned that defense they brought in uh Emin Baram uh, on deadline day on loan from Galatasaray he's chucked straight into the starting lineup and it just <laughs> it looked messy at the back there and I think mm. they're like they have spent a lot of money and they brought in some really kind of exciting young players but then is that like you're kind of these players are young and exciting because of what we think they can become, not what they are now? Uh, if you know what I mean, I think that might be a slight uh, concern. Maybe I don't know, but then you look through the team and you've got the likes of like Chadley, Sidorchuk, who's now come in with a bit more experience in central midfield, Neustadter as well. He's hardly like a, a spring chicken, is he? So they have got <laughs> that mix, and I think I don't know. I just I'm kind of thinking surely they're going to be able to turn it around at some point. But at the moment, it just it does just look really, really poor. Um, we did, we have kind of said, obviously, just in the bit there that Antwerp weren't distracted on the pitch, but off the pitch, they were certainly distracted with the Champions League. Um, poor old Samuel Vines is not going to be able to play Champions League football because someone put Bjorn Engels down instead of him um, onto the Champions <laughs> League squad and they can't reverse it. Uh, Bjorn Engels... Probably half of you forgot he even played for Antwerp. I don't, he didn't play at all last season. I don't, he hasn't played for almost two years now. Um, so, yeah, it's been quite a while for him. The story is a bit more different. In theory, they could both be on them because there's 21 players on the only of the 25 possible players. Uh, but, um, the, for, for example, on the A list, that is, and on the B list, uh, it, which includes Vermeer and Van den Bosse, for example, we generally just the, the, the young players that don't need to be on that list. Uh, so, yeah, they, they could have played around a bit with these lists and actually make <laughs> everything possible, but it did not happen. Um, yeah, that, that's. <laughs> Yeah, that's very sad for a semi-vines there. It's bizarre, yeah. isn't it? It's Weird. bizarre these things just kind of keep happening, don't they, guys? You see this besides almost every year uh, at different levels. You see these, what would you call it, an administrative error, all of that sort of stuff. What did you guys... Ajax and Overmars in Haller for a few seasons ago, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Ajax, actually, I was going to ask what you guys made of uh, Owen, Owen Vindel's uh, debut um, I saw a few flashes from from him to suggest that if he can, you know, do some of the things he was trying to do in this game, then as we were already saying, he could be a very big, uh, good pickup for for the great old. Yeah, I think he looked. He looks like I think you're right. I think the flashes is definitely right. I think there was definitely some moments where you're like, yeah, this this kid could be could be a really good signing. I think we 
we've kind of thought that he might be better than Avia anyway. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely not as like I'm not. I wasn't as worried that he's going to get himself sent off quickly. Um, you know, Avia somehow managed to not do that. But I think with the injury to Sammy Vines, like he's obviously going to get more game time, and I think it's going to be good. Um, mm. Good for him. So yeah, I think it, it seems like a decent pickup. And when Vines is back, that's like some really good options they've got at fullback. Uh, let's move on to the Saturday games. Uh, let's go uh, into the capital. Let's go to where Molenbeek were facing Circler Bruges. Uh, it was Circler who got off to the better start in this one with Kevin Denke giving them the lead after just about five or six minutes. Really, really nice finish into the into the corner from him. At that point, you thought oh, maybe Circler are going to really kind of take control of this game and and push on. But 10 minutes later, Mahtar Gay got his second goal for Molenbeek to make it 1-1 one, one into the second half we go, and after around about 57 minutes, Xavier, Javier Messier uh, assist to Luis Giovanni Segovia to make it 2-1 to Molenbeek. Circle pushed. In 97th minute, they had a chance, but Tia de Forni made a wonderful save, flying off his line to deny Circle an equaliser. So it finished 2-1 to Molenbeek. Good win for them. Frustration for Circle because they could have gone to the top of the table with a win. However, I think on the kind of face of it, obviously Circle have been doing really well, but for Molenbeek guys, this is like before the season when we we're saying about them kind of their chance of staying up. These are the sort of games that when they're picking up points, they're really, really going to help them. And I think to be fair to Kakapo, he's kind of got them playing some some nice football. He's definitely worked out who he thinks is kind of best strike forces. He's going Matarge and, and Mikkel Buren, and I think that's a nice partnership. And it's just every time I see those two line up, I just think of poor East End fans in the Challenger. Uh, struggling away, just looking at that strike force and thinking that could have been ours <laughs> a couple of seasons ago, but it's not to be. But yeah, good win for Molenbeek. Uh, that's 10 points off of six games for them. Circular still in the top four, so still a really, really good start to the season. But I think they'll be frustrated, won't they, after having taken the lead so early? Definitely. I mean, I think one of the interesting things about this game, um, I thought, was that Molenbeek managed to do something that very, very few sides have managed to do, and that is get the better of Circle physically. Um, but particularly in the second half as well. I mean, I, I expected Circle to come out and, and, and be much better in the second half and, and, and squeeze the game a bit, uh, which they weren't able to do. In fact, quite the opposite happened. It was them that got squeezed. And I don't think I've actually seen Big Mead on Muslukshluk you know, as um, uh, kind of quiet uh, and as distant as he did this weekend. You know, I mean, he looked up, he looked a bit resigned to kind of what was going on, as if you know he couldn't quite figure out what was what was happening. And and you know that that's that thing of you know when a side gets the better of you, sort of unexpectedly somewhat. Me and Yoris were kind of chatting about this a little bit while the game was ongoing, and I remember Yoris saying to me, "Oh, that this result is going to you know make a few few coaches a bit nervous." And I think he's right about that. I'm sure he's going to talk about that in a minute because. You know, Circle, I think, rightly would have been expected to go there and win. And Molenbeek's home form, we know, is going to be very important. And what they've done really well so far is pick up points against sides that they would be expected to and would certainly hope to. It's it's some of the bigger boys that have given them a bit of a schooling so far. But you would expect that, especially this early in the season. But to, to dominate Circle physically the way that they did uh, was actually quite impressive. Um, and especially considering 
circle started the game reasonably well. Uh, brilliant goal by Kevin Denke, by the way. What a fantastic finish that is. And on the subject um, of of Big Kev, um, he's he's having a really good season so far as well. And and you know is kind of top of the scoring charts um, and kind of cruising along nicely without getting too much attention at the moment from the media. That is, but in the background, there are lots of um, agents and lots of movement and lots of interest in him, which has been ongoing for kind of quite a while. So his stock is is certainly raising all the time. Will continue to do so if he keeps playing like that. Um, but tactically, this was quite an interesting game as well. It really was. Uh, Molenbeek, I've noticed. Guys, they've they've started pretty slowly in most of the games, uh, home and away this season. Um, it's almost as if it just takes them a little while just to kind of figure figure out figure out the opposition, make some changes, and uh, but, but before they can kind of grab a game, um, they've not started hard or fast at any point yet. And I think that's that's something that maybe is just inherent in Kakapa's approach, possibly. But this is this is a really good win for them. Um, and I think if Molenbeek can make the Edmund Mackins a really hard place to go, like Union do with uh, the Yusuf Marion, then that can be the bedrock in which obviously they um, lay the foundations for, for hopefully maintaining their league status, which is their, their ultimate goal this season. But yeah, Circle just need to chalk this up as one where it, it didn't quite, kind of quite come off for them. It's just particularly disappointing that you know they, they, they took the lead and then you know you lose it that way rather than another way around. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I think you said already a lot, but I just want to mention that dying second head save from the Frenou once more, that's, uh, that deserves that. Um, and yeah, well, I think Ben mainly touched on the things I wanted to say about Mo- Molenbeek there. Uh, yeah, uh, with uh, Biron and Gay uh, playing N in combination with Mercier, that I do think that at the moment, definitely that gives them the edge over some other teams and that... Uh, that, that we would expect a lower in the table. Uh, at the moment, they're even mid-tables, and they, they might even stay there. Uh, a little bit more worried about the defense still, but um, yeah, it, it looks like Segovia, um, well, did all, he, is, a, is a recruitment, uh, is a good reinforcement there, and well, he already uh, contributed up front as well this time, so that, that's, a, that's a plus for him. Um, yeah, and the, like Scott mentioned, uh, that I was already saying, like this this, this win from uh, Molenbeek definitely put a lot of pressure on on uh, more managers that, that uh, had their games later in that weekend, in this weekend, uh, and a nice cushion cushion for them already with uh, with already ten points. Uh, yeah, that that they already have and that you can't take from them anymore. Circle also a lot of things, uh, things said already. Thank you on target again. Fifth goal of the season already as well. First loss after three wins um, as well though for to, to break a little streak winning streak that uh, that Circle had going. And um, yeah, I also wanted to mention yeah, CK had got an assist on the Denki goal even though Denki did most of the work obviously, but uh, yeah, for the equalizer he was also um, yeah. Way too soft uh, on on the ball uh, with uh, Byron. Um, Do you know what I think is going to happen, guys? Actually, I don't know what you think, but you know me talking about Molenbeek dominating circle physically. I think you know coming back to what Joris was saying about this making some coaches quite nervous. I think this is a game that a lot of coaches will go back and rewatch from the point of view of modelling how do we combat. 
um, circles physicality because they've had a way of playing now for the best part of a couple of seasons which has been working really well for them uh, and will continue to do so I think but um, Molenbeek um, tactically did some things this weekend without you know without turning this pod into an analysis of that particular game. I think that managers are going to go want to go away and have a much closer look at. I think because it was really pretty effective for them. Yeah, and I think the opposite will also happen at Circular. We know what they're like in terms of their analysis and data and kind of rewatching the games and taking like learning points from them and stuff like that. They're going to go and do that as well. So I think. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to watch this game in the next when they play each other again, when Molenbeek come to the Amber Idol to see kind of how Circular adapts to Molenbeek or what they do in terms of that. Um, so yeah, interesting tactically. Um, Scott, I'd found it funny you you've mentioned uh, the Joseph Marion as a fortress for Union of on this weekend of all weekends. Um, <laughs> Getting went there, and within sixteen minutes they were ahead. Uh, the new man securely getting his first goal, and I mean, if you if you as a striker wanted a, a kind of opportunity to score a first goal for the club, this is the one you'd want. Joseph Pencil sprinting down the right wing, cutting it across. You just have to tap it in. He does that. He gives them the one 0 lead in front of the away fans as well at that end of the ground, like the perfect opportunity, the perfect place to do that. Union thought they should have potentially had a penalty uh, when Amani went down in the box, although. For me, he sticks his leg. It's it's very hard to describe this on a podcast. I think you kind of have to see it. But <laughs> he sticks his leg out and like initiates the contact in such a way that it's it doesn't look, didn't look like a natural movement of his left foot. Um, I feel like if he just focused on crossing the ball, he may have actually got the penalty because he might have been taken out there. Burgess was welcoming Zakiri to the league. Um, I guess we can say with his usual manner of intimidation uh but i felt i think the striker <laughs> dealt pretty well with it to be fair uh van der Voort made a really fine save in the first half to keep union out union in this game 24 shots absolute ridiculous amount of shots but an xg very similar to genk genk 2.01 uh union 1.98 so genk with only seven shots union with 24 it shows you how kind of inefficient Union were in this one. The moment I knew Genk were going to win this game uh, was when uh, substitute Mohamed Amora hit the post and other substitute Gustav Nielsen, just his legs were all over the place, could not do anything about it, put it wide. I felt like, yeah, that's it. There's This is kind of, Genk are going to ride this one out. They've got the luck on their side. And it was pretty much confirmed they had the luck on their side when Tolu comes on the 77th minute, late in the game, running through... Shot saved by Maurice. He falls over, uh, Tolly does, but still manages to head it across goal to Galaza to head in to make it 2-0 to Genk. Hilarious assist. This one cracked me up so much. Just the, just Tolly on the floor and the ball hit him in the face and flying across to Galaza. Took a little bit of VAR time before it was confirmed. Franken looked absolutely delighted when that one was given and kind of completely relieved. Um so I think, yeah, a very, very good win for Genk. One, I think, Joris, they definitely needed after this kind of stuttering start to the season. Um, but then you look at the table and only three points off the top. So they've managed to stay in there. And now they've got the striker in, Zakiri, first game, first goal. Were you impressed with what you saw from him? Do you think he's the striker that, yeah, is the answer to Genk's problems? 
it definitely helps to have more options either way, um, whether he is the one or not. Well, this game is difficult to judge that on uh, because Hink were just really poor, to be honest. Uh, definitely at the ball, uh, they and also defending. I don't know how Hink won this game, to to be honest. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, there's no shame in admitting that. That uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm also with that with that Amura strike. I'm also still very happy he did take that try to take it and make it like that instead of taking it on his left foot, which should have been easier actually to score. But uh, well, for Union, the was their first uh, time in 23 home games in, in a regular season because I believe in the playoffs against Antwerp last season they also didn't uh, score. Um, and yeah, you could see why. And uh, yeah, indeed, 25 shots or 24 shots, but only four on target. That that's that is just underlining that statistic a bit as well. Of course, um, yeah, that uh, they they should have done. They they also made a few holes in the air. I think uh, where they could have, well, if they would have hit the ball, that there was a big chance it would have gone in. But not regardless of that, they should have scored it definitely here. Uh, Regardless of Van der Voort having a, a decent performance, but uh, they they could have tested him, him even more. Um, I feel, and um, I'm, I'm that's a question I'll throw to you guys. Uh, you can come back to it later. But like, is does Union have a scoring problem because they have scored the majority of their goals on penalties? No, they're still at this at this point in the game, uh, in the in the in the league. Um, yeah. Obviously, they do not have any striker in this, the genre of Boniface at the moment. That that's not a shame of it. But regardless of that, they, they seem to they seem to be lacking something up front uh, at times. They can be dominating games. For uh, going back to a few points for Hink as well. Then, um, yeah, first time that they win three ga- the th- their first three away games of the of the league season um, in history. But yeah. I'm not sure if that's a stat really worth mentioning, but uh, also no goals conceded yet away, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and also only two goals conceded still. Like I'm still like I told you guys already. Like I, I am beyond. It's beyond me how that happened. But okay, I guess it has to do this time with the opponent missing uh, a lot of uh, chances or, or or just missing the target even um, in general. And um, like Ben said, Sekiri already off the mark straight straight away. Uh, one of the many players I will indicate in the upcoming, uh, the, the the rest of the games coming on that scored his first goal. Uh, for uh, yeah, a typical game the, after the transfer window closed. Um, yeah, the, the, some many players getting off the mark. Sekiri, one of them. Uh, after a brilliant true ball from Hannah, I think that ball deserves some uh, some praise here as well. Um, and and yeah, uh, and yeah. Also, Galarza actually also got his first goal. Uh, that's uh, not in his first game here, but uh, also a first goal. And that assist, that's it's it's really brilliant when you look at it because like because you can also clearly see that he means to do that. <laughs> some to Aluso. that's uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. I don't know anyone who could do that. I guess <laughs> even. With such purpose, uh, and well, worth mentioning is of course a, bit, a bit as well. Like um, especially the first half, Union. Well, they dominated the whole game, but especially in the first half, they created a lot of chances. Franke made some changes at the at the break, uh, bringing Horozovsky on uh, and. Uh, and, and for Oyen, um, so uh, a, a central midfielder for uh, a left winger, and trying to put more, um, yeah, 
piece even more pieces because Uno also already had put a lot of pieces uh, in in the midfield, which caused them to dominate, I guess, uh, and find the spaces uh, quite easily. Um, and and that seems to have paid off a little. Of course, the con- don't Uno still could have scored, but they they were creating a lot less um, in the second half. Outside of that that uh, that that strike from Amura and and a few. Yeah, well, you anyway have a few moments, but um, yeah, that that change, uh, which is a bit unusual, but seems to have helped to um, at least, yeah, make it less easy for Union to to play through the lines. But um, yeah, nonetheless, um, I'm I'm very happy that the with this sma- smash and grabber in here. Yeah, I think I think you should should be very happy with it. I thought it was a really hard fought win for the Genkies actually. I thought, you know, they competed physically really well with Union and Union for for me did deserve something out of the game, but were kind of wasteful with the chances that they did create. I mean, they get in behind two or three times quite early on in the first half and wasted opportunities where they they you know they they should have scored, um, and w- when you look at their output in the game, then I think they did deserve something out of it. It was interesting to hear Alexander Blessing immediately after the game in the centre circle um, talking to his players when he said, "Look, I, I'm not disappointed. I'm not angry. Um, you know, we deserved something out of the game, but it didn't happen. We played well. You know, just 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 being one of those games. Um, so." It's funny football, isn't it? It really is. Um, and I, I thought that Genk did a lot of the kind of dirty things around the game that, you know, people have been quite critical of them, uh, particularly last season, including us on a couple of points where we said that maybe physically they're not competing with some sides the way that they would hope to and want to. I think they really did that, those elements, very, very well in this game. I mean, just looking at some some kind of basic numbers, they actually, defensively, they had sort of 19 interceptions at kind of key points um, in the game. And the, the, the dueling figures are bizarrely 50-50. Union had marginally the better of the duels overall, but they were so even on that that, that Genk won the key ones at the key moments, obviously. They were the margins. Um, Rankin will be delighted with it, I think, because it's a very difficult place to go as we were just sort of setting up apart from this weekend, although ironically it still is because Union, Union, I thought, played well. I know some of their fans were on social media after the result of the weekend were pretty disappointed um, but that's more of an indication of you know how how difficult a place it's been to go and how consistently um, they tend to win more often than not. Union that their fans, even after a good performance, felt you know that wasn't really good enough. But when you look and pick the performance apart, they were actually quite good. Um, Genk got the better on, on on the margins, and that that psychologically, I think, is kind of quite significant, particularly when we're looking at two sides here who would and should consider themselves title challengers once again. Yeah, and off the back of that result, uh, Union drop in to ninth, but obviously they've still got that game in hand um, on a couple of the teams above them. Whereas Genk jump into yeah, as I said earlier, they're in the top six, three points off of Ghent in first. Another side with title ambitions, but not very title-like defending uh, is Club Bruges. They hosted Sporting Charleroi at the Ambridal uh, on Saturday night. And it was the Zebras who got off to a much better start. Uh, Parfait Guijon uh, got 
them going in the fifth minute, 1-0, thanks to uh, new signing Vettler Jalagsnes uh, getting an assist. He, yeah, would have a really, really decent debut, actually, uh, from him. Took club about 20-odd minutes to get back into the game after that, but in that time, Charleroi did have a host of chances. The defence was just, yeah, all over the place, really, and, and I thought Charleroi really should have taken a couple more of the ones that they did create. But Scott Olsen was the provider this time for Thiago Rodriguez to get another goal to make it 1-1. Just before half-time, that man, Dragsner, scored a fantastic goal, even if it did take a deflection off Mekela, uh, chopping inside and whipping it towards the far corner. A little deflection off Mekela and past Mignolet into the corner. Goal and an assist on his debut even gave him foot mobs man of the match. And I mean, it's quite difficult on the losing side, especially if you lose like 4-2 like uh, Charleroi did in this game to get man of the match you have to have played pretty well so fair play to him he looked like a really good signing um, Mekele made up for that deflected goal by putting one in the other end uh, just three minutes later Charleroi really couldn't hold on to a lead in this one into the second half died around the changes Nusa came on Casper uh, Nielsen came on as well but it was that man Nusa who made the difference near the end of the game about 87 minutes gone he puts the Kind of, I thought it was a cross. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm pretty sure it was a cross. But just goes all the way in past coffee into the back of the net. 95th minute, he then turns provider. Fair Nuclear's back, and he was back with a goal and a really, really nice finish. Actually, just faking out a defender, cutting in and then smashing it into the back of the net like he had never been away. So Nusa is going to get all the plaudits again, coming off the bench, making an impact after he. I think he got a couple of assists during the international break for Norway as well. For Charleroi, I think they were better than this result, uh, especially in the first half. They would, I thought they played quite well, but yeah, they just couldn't really hold on to the lead. But neither side were defensively great uh, in this one. But Dragsnest looks like a decent, decent player. For Club Bruges, I guess I was kind of thinking about this today, guys, but they're attacking, that, that forward kind of attack is so, so powerful. And then they've got these guys they can bring off the bench as well. Like It almost makes up for the bad defending in a way that they're then going, I think they call it in, in like an American football, they call it like a track meet uh, where it's just like they're going either way. And it's like, whoever's fitter is going to win. And this one, yeah, it's kind of just like, we'll, we'll just try and outscore you. We're not even going to try and defend, um, which I mean, it, it may work in certain games, but against the better teams, you think they'd probably come unstuck, but yeah, it was an entertaining game. I uh, really, really enjoyed watching this one, but in the end, it was Club who came out on top. Yeah, you were saying it, Ben. It was entertaining, and I think Shallow did play their part, and I agree with you. I think they were they were better this week, so I think there are some encouraging signs for them uh, that they might be starting to turn turn the corner that they're looking to, to, to turn. Um, that's the way that Felix Mazzi will be looking at it anyway. Um, from a club point of view, I think my big takeaway this week was something we've already been aware of, but it, it really kind of uh, hit me this week. And that was just, you know, what Ben was kind of hinting at a minute ago, about that strength and depth, even if something isn't quite working for you the way that you would want, Dyla can make a change that that is almost like for like in terms of quality, if not better, um, and and that that is allowing them to to kind of get over the line in games now. Um, I I had a feeling that this game might have petered out a little bit for them, but you know when, when you look at the bench, 
um, that that was what made the difference for me. You know, he's able to bring on kind of Casper Nielsen, Nusa, who you know, as Ben was saying, has, has had a a pretty extraordinary week uh, by most people's standards. Um, you know, getting a goal, coming on, uh, making a a, a match winning difference here, um, as well as you know, really significant performance for it, for his country during the week as well. Um, so ma- massive week for him, uh, big player. Um, uh, has a bright future ahead of him, as we know. Ronnie Dyla's a kind of a, a big fan. Um, lots of people watching him at the moment. But yeah, the strength and depth in, in that squad is, is is frightening. And I think that's the thing that longer term, as we talked way back at the start of the season when we were saying, actually, look at this squad. It's really pretty good. It has all of the tools to kind of go and um, be where it wants to be. Um, it's starting to pay off in games and having Ferran Ucla back and available even if he's not starting is is a massive plus for them as well because we know what he can do and we got a reminder this weekend but yeah I mean embarrassment of riches really for Ronnie Dyla and um, I, I think he's just really pleased that you know he, he's got that depth there because there was there was a little bit of surprise relief to me uh, with those two two late goals um, you know he was kind of delighted with them because I think he knew that you know they should have had this game well won before they actually did. So to to do it in the manner they did in the end, um, I think um, allows the press to to give him a bit of an easier ride because um, it, it could it could have finished a draw this one. In your list saved them so many times, and I'm so worried about their defense still. So like I'll I'll throw that to to in the middle here definitely. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with you, Oris. Actually, yeah, completely agree with you. A bit manually. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep repeating that defense yep. isn't good enough. That despite all the depths in in up front, that balance in that squad is so. I I don't get why they did not do that. And it might it might not cost them in the end, or it might. Mm. But like, I'm I'm still surprised that they didn't bring in at least one uh, more quality defender um, as well. But um, yeah, that that's that, they they got away with this one really. In my in my mind, equalizing mm-hmm. still before the uh, the break uh, proof was the main point in this game for for me, of course. Then, um, but yeah, yeah, Utla from of the mark on the other side. Uh, also, two players of the mark, uh, Guyagon. I hope I didn't butcher that one. And Draxner, <laughs> both both of the mark as well. Like I said, there were many players that got off the mark this, in this game. And um, yeah, for Shailawagia, the good performance, but again, no win for them. Um, that that should be worrying. They they're they're supposed to be quite good defensively in the organization, but that that on the that seems to be completely off this season as well um, for most games as well. Or maybe not completely off, but in in it shows in some games. And um, yeah, in the front, they do need to do a bit more, even though in this game, I guess they did enough up front that they should have done even more. And uh, then they might have won or get, gotten something out of this game at least. Uh, but yeah, because yeah, that, that definitely was a cross from Lusa as well, indeed, for that uh, third goal. And um, yeah, but um, of course, I'm not denying anything of the depths that Clemente uh, has up front uh, and uh, very. I feel like it actually might be enough to cover up for the defense, but I'm I'm surprised that I'm just mainly surprised that they did not do any not much uh, to to do uh, to to fix that defense, well fix or to to get a bit more quality in depth in uh, in defense. 
It's an interesting point that actually the one that Yoris highlights around their defence, I think, because there were there were a couple of players that they were linked very heavily with quite late on in the window, both of whom were, were centre halves, of course, and neither of them did they manage to bring in. So um I, I think it is something that they were aware of and, and since they failed to do that, if failed is the right word, maybe maybe the deals just weren't right and that's why they didn't they didn't move in them. But I, I think it does highlight that, you know, they, they they're aware of this and they have talked up as well. I've noticed um, that they're happy with what they have at the back. Um, some of the links in terms of those players suggest that they aren't entirely. And I think, you know, what I was emphasising, the the embarrassment of riches up front does certainly distract and, and cover from that. Yoris's point, I suppose, is ultimately the key one. Will the issue there... Um, and there is an issue. I do agree with Yoris about that. Will that issue catch up with them at some point? That's that's a big question we don't know the answer to yet, but certainly one to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, it's funny we're talking about this because their, um, their official account tweeted today about just with a pitch of that back form. It was like the homemade defence. <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, not very well made, was it? Because it's been pretty poor. Um, it's still quite young, and I think that's one of the problems. Yeah, but... There's also there's a reason that uh, Simon Minulay is currently on my fantasy football bench, and he's the most expensive <laughs> keeper in the game. So it's just, yeah, it's not good. And I think they're just they're lucky that they're going to be able, they're definitely going to be able to outscore most teams in the pro league. Um, that's just what it is. But like let's let's not beat around the bush. Like Charleroi are hardly the most exciting, free flowing attacking side. And like mm. yeah, in that first half, I thought Charleroi were really really looked really really good going forward so interesting it's really it is really interesting i mean it's it's entertaining um that's the thing exactly exactly i I, I wanted to highlight that i'm actually enjoying watching the games because there's any always any anything happening and well maybe they even can outscore any team in the league okay against hint they already didn't but in most games indeed and maybe against every opponent they they should well they, they have so many goals in them but um, yeah, just uh, it's entertaining indeed. Like yeah. this, uh, going it's there. A, it's a risky strategy in this league, which we know how physically competitive it is. Much more so than than I think people uh, appreciate. So yeah, I mean, it's it's as a manager like Ronnie Dyla, who you know is is all about free flowing attacking football. I think there is an element to his natural game as a coach where he does look at things that way. So these things bother him a little bit less, I think. But in this league, I think over the course of a season, that's what I mean. I think, you know, it could it could come back to haunt you in a way. So it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see if they, they bring anyone in and more experienced um, in, in January, for example, just to see through the second half of the season as well. But I suspect that'll be determined by where they're sitting come the end of the year. Yeah, well, they've got some experience on the bench but unfortunately that experience is, is not much better than what they've got out there uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he did make an appearance to be fair uh, but by then it was yeah they pretty much won the game um, talking about not not great defensively or maybe not not very convincing uh, Courtois and Anderlecht um, this was an entertaining game to say the least plenty of things happening uh, maybe some conspiracy theories could be flying around, uh, but we'll get to that in a bit. Courtaik took the lead uh, from their own 
from their own box, basically, uh, and an set piece, or I think it was a corner, cleared by Shea Ojo, who's been given an assist for this, which is mental, because um, Denev basically has to like, piggyback Sardea, win the header on the halfway line, run <laughs> from the halfway line all the way to the into the Anderlecht box, and then put it underneath Dupe um, to make it 1-0, who's come out and said he's not worried about Cash for Michael being here. Which is fine now that he's got a broken rib, but I think he was <laughs> that helps um, the competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think he's he's safe as number one for now. Uh, he did make a very decent save in this game, actually. Uh, to be fair to him, but that came after Andalek had equalised, deflected strike from Casper Dolberg before Denev had actually scored a Musa had hit the crossbar um, as well, which. I'm sure Joris was wishing he'd done a couple of weeks ago against Genk rather than this one. Uh, but yeah, as I said, Dupe made a really, really good save from Avenatti uh, in the just near the end of the of the first half to deny the big striker. But he wouldn't be denied the next time round when Dupe, Debast, and Fatongan decided to just completely mess things up. Dupe to Debas, Debas back to Dupe, Dupe passes to Vertonghen. It was very much like the Gillikins one where Vertonghen, he just doesn't come towards the ball at all. Um, I believe it was, was it Kadri who was able to sneak in? One of the one of the contract players is able to sneak in, well, not even sneak in, just run in and take the ball, plays it back across to Avenatti. Poor Debas has had to now cover for Dupe's mistake, swints over, tries to make it look like he heads it, but he just punches it off the line. Avenatti's like staring at uh, Kevin Van Dam, like, are you going to give that as a penalty? Like, this is the most <laughs> obvious handball. If he hadn't, I think Avenatti would have hit him. Uh, he looked that <laughs> like way, like, so like highly struck at that point. Obviously gives a penalty. Debas sent off, doesn't even look at the referee, just saunters off the pitch. Avenatti steps up, smashes it in. Kortoika 2-1 up. They've just got to see through the next half an hour with a man advantage. And then I think it's, yeah, a little bit later on, um, with kind of nine minutes to go, Marco Kana. Now, if if you don't know, Marco Kana is currently on loan at Courtlake from Anderlecht. Uh, he gets sent off. <laughs> and I mean, if you've got conspiracy theories, now's your time to kind of, if you're into that sort of stuff, you can be like, hang on a second. <laughs> What's going on here? He did look pretty distraught, to be fair to him. Um, but you just, you can't, you can't get yourself sent off against your parent club. Did you see him, guys? Is he speaking to Kana? This is a really interesting thing. When he when he was walking off the pitch, guys, I'm sure you spotted this. He was tapping his forehead, and I thought he's giving it the why? Why did I do that? Why did I do that type thing? And I thought a lot of things that happen in games are instinctive for players. You know, we watch them and we go, "Oh, that that's mental. That's a really daft thing to do. Why has he done that?" And I do appreciate, you know, having talked to some players that they go, well, "What you don't, what people watching don't sometimes appreciate is certain things are in." instinctive including bad tackles and things like that but yeah that moment he was tapping the center of his forehead either that or it was some weird nfp thing he was up to <laughs> <laughs> it was just in such a weird place in the pit of the pitch as well like it was just it, it wasn't the most dangerous aspect of the game that he did it in uh obviously it comes back to bite them in the 97th minute sardea launches the ball into the box Headed clear, straight to Delaya, who smashes it into the back of the net to make it 2 all. Courtright denied that first win of the season. They do move off the bottom, though. Uh, Vesselo are now bottom. Courtright are now second bottom with their second point. Um, yeah, what a ridiculous game. Absolutely ridiculous. And it really doesn't help the kind of that feeling we had about Anderlecht 
when they went on that little run a couple of weeks ago and start to win some games, we're like, still not convinced. And I think this game kind of sums up, yeah, still not convinced, even though they've made a lot of signings and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I don't know, we saw Thorgan Hazard. He came on. Uh, Eden was in the in the building, I think, as well, if I remember rightly, or, or a couple of the Hazards, uh, as many as there are, were in the building as well. So it's nice to see him in the league. Let's see what he can produce. But frustration for Brian Reamer, kind of vind- relieved at the end. But I'm sure looking at this, this is a game that they were like, if they've got any ambition of top four, top six, or no, title is probably not really an ambition, let's be honest. But any kind of ambition, they, they have to beat a side like Cortrike. Well, Brian Reimer gave a very, very interesting and frank post-match interview where he described this as, and I quote, a complete disaster. That was his analysis of of this game. He said every decision we made was was wrong. Everything we could have done wrong, um, we did. Um, and I love it when coaches are as frank as that, where he just came out and he just laid absolutely laid it all out. Didn't spare Zeno de Bast's blushes either. He was actually asked about that and he went, he should have just let it go in the net. You know, players, you know, they, we have the old taking one for the team uh, cliche. Not only did he take one for the team here, he took two for the team because he got himself sent off. There's the penalty, which they then score. So they're a man down and another goal down. So, you know, I, from a coach's point of view, it's kind of enraging stuff. But I think Brian Reimer's main gripe was just the general performance level was absolutely nowhere near the standards that they expect. And he said that as well. He's quite clear about um, how he'd spoke to the players, his players afterwards, about the the expectations that he and the club have of them and the performances and decision-making, like the ones that they exhibited throughout the course of this game, really were, were so poor. He says, if you play like that, you're not going to get anywhere at any level. So he was he was really, really angry. And I, I actually thought Anderlecht were, were poor, so he wasn't wrong. But to see him come out and actually just call everybody out um, I thought was really interesting. So I think he's hoping in doing that, obviously, that he's going to get a get a response. Um, and he, he went as far as to say, I, I told, you know, he was strong in his post-match interview. Uh, he said I was, you know, even stronger in, in my words to my players as well. Uh, so he was he was not happy. I think Ed still must be wondering what he has to do to, to, to get three points. Um, he looked very nervous, um, even when probably he shouldn't have very late on. Um, I think this is a guy who feels like, you know, maybe he's not going to win a game. That's the impression I'm going to get. And he hasn't, in truth, as a coach, he has not won a game in a long time. So I can see why he's he, he's not sleeping well. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I had a concern that maybe Brian Reimer didn't get his, his starting 11 kind of quite right here. I, I, I was surprised with some of his choices. I thought he could have been a little bit more offensive um, even if they were playing away from home. Maybe this is to do with certain players not being kind of quite fit necessarily yet, but that might have played into the the, the, the performance. Um, I think he probably knew that Kortrijk were going to um, get in their faces as much as possible, being being the home side, which they did. And and in, in lots of ways, from um, our neutral perspective, I kind of quite enjoyed watching this one because it was um, a good a good feisty battle. But yeah, um, going to be really interesting to watch Anderlecht's next game um, to see how they react to this one, I think. Yeah, well, I agree that Riemer actually should look in the mirror himself as well because I do feel like that lineup was not the one they should have gone for. Like, yeah. a bit more offensive. Also, that interview is is 
on itself already interesting, but also if, yeah, well, it's the complete opposite of what he usually does. Usually he is the one that sugarcoats things a bit, a piece yeah. in front of the cameras, uh, maybe in the dressing room, most likely different, but and protects the, 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 the playing squad. But uh, yeah, this time uh, it was a complete opposite, and that contrast is, is yeah, well, telling, I guess. Uh, I think he, he was not happy about a lot of things, uh, as, as well, that was clear to see. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, like like uh, Scott mentioned, they are not pulling this one over the line for uh, Kortiak. Yet another blow, even though, of course, it's still a welcome point. But uh, yeah, when you're that close and have played for well, for against uh, uh, ten for a while, yeah, and also probably if you should be a bit fuming at Kana as well because yeah, it, he. Probably could have been sent off earlier as well. He had put in a few rough challenges already where he maybe escaped uh, another yellow card. But um, yeah, Kana against his parent club. Um, and, and yeah, and a lot of fouls in that red card. Yeah, if it, it it must not be fun to be him. Uh, yes, must have not have been fun to be him at that time in the dressing room. Uh, after the game, yeah, then Ben also already mentioned, yeah, Dupé. Clearly not happy with Michael uh, with the question about Michael uh, as well. So uh, it's Michael <laughs> being there, there might be some trouble brewing there. Um, well, it's way too early to say that, of course, but it, it's not very promising when the, when the, when it comes out like that. Disappointing result for both sides. Although Anricht probably f- should still have won it um, despite having a lower XG here, but uh, they they. They should have done better with uh, what they had. They were dominating the game roughly, but defensively they they were, yeah, they they gave it away, uh, two goals away, and putting yourself in a, a unfavorable position of a man down as well, uh, through your own fault. Yeah, that that's no that that then it becomes difficult to win games, of course. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, in all that excitement to get to that game, I completely forgot that there was actually a game before that, which was Erfurt against Standard Liège, um, where there was an equally angry manager. So let's head back in time to the Kerveg Stadion, uh, where Liège, uh, where Standard travelled to Erfurt. And yeah, the new boys were certainly in town all over the pitch. Hayden started, Soa started, Gineppo started, Alzate started. Lifeis returned from somewhere um Cyprus, <laughs> i believe um, he did actually play for the national team during the, the break and uh, yeah forgot about him um carl Hofkins did say like right our season starts now we've got the squad together the squad is now complete this is where the season starts and it took them until the end of the the first half to take the lead janepa did have a a nice flash of kind of quality when he took off on about three players and then smashed it over the bar um but it looked nice and I think as someone who's a big fan of Gineppo that's that's always kind of been Gineppo to me is he's he's just technically great great dribbling but then it's that final product so that's kind of what Standard are going to be hoping he can actually start to deliver but Kawabi's long ball over the top Kanga ran onto it just bullying people smashed it into the back of the net to get another goal which is just it's good to see um him get his, I believe that's his second now, isn't it? Uh, he's got an assist. He's got two goals. He's a big, powerful presence up front. And if he starts to find the net, that it it will definitely help them. Uh, Kawabi as well. He then followed up that assist to get his first goal, his second goal as well for Standard. Uh, really nice finish into the far corner. 
after some terrible, terrible playing out from the back from Erpen, let's not forget that. Just awful, awful from them, just giving the ball away far too easily. He took advantage 2-0. And these goals happened in the 48th and the 4th and the 50th minute, which is still in the first half because this game went on forever. This is like, this is just the start of it. Um, <laughs> into the second half we go... Kamal Soa, uh, he gets his first goal on debut. Shout out with a lovely cross in. Soa tapped it in first time. Before that, Alfred Finbogason had come off the bench for Gary Manny, who looks to have picked up a, a nasty injury. I haven't seen anything further about that, but hopefully it's not too serious because he's had a really good start to the season. Uh, Pantovic finds Finbogason in the 80th minute. He then smashes in to make it 3-1 with 10 minutes to go. Open and think they've got Another goal back, um, it, it's offside, VAR intervenes, they give it offside, but Florian Kofold have an absolutely none of it. He's like, nope, we saw something on our screen, this wasn't offside. He kicks off enough that Jonathan Lardo's then like, okay, I'll have another look, which I think is ridiculous. Um, I think it sets a really dangerous precedent. If a manager can kick off so much that you're going to go and have a look when it's what's the manager scene like on their screen they'll get a one view but the VAR should have all the views so what's the point of VAR for managers then going to keep is going to be able to refer it back I think Erfkin said oh, do we now have like jokers I think she called it like are we all going to be able to use one where we can challenge some calls and stuff like that because he's like if we are that'd be great and more he than thinks we're playing tennis guys he thinks we're playing yeah. tennis <laughs> in the NBA now they have it as well where you get like one challenge and if it fails like that's it yeah you get your one challenge or cricket as well where they have the like the, the um you can like review stuff and that and it's just it's I think it's and obviously it was still offside um and he's like he said he went and thanked the referee afterwards for like checking and stuff, but I don't know. I, I personally think it sets a dangerous precedent. I don't think VAR is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but if the referees and VAR have decided that a decision is a decision, the, the manager should be able to pressurize a referee into then checking again. Like, no matter how adamant they believe it, it's just, yeah, it just, there's a reason this game went on forever. Um, and the kind of the sign of that is Stephen that managed to get himself sent off, I think, in the 90. Well, I don't know, 90 plus 13, so 103rd minute for a dive. He gets his second yellow, a stupid dive. Um, then Hofkins gets booked in the in the 104th minute. This game has gone on forever by now. It's just ridiculous. It finally ends. Standard win 3-1. That's the main talking point is about like, this decision that was absolutely fine and it was offside um, that was then referred and stuff like that, but kind of overshadows what was a really good win for standard, like open haven't been bad uh, at all this season. We've praised some of the work Kofod's done, but standard with the new boys that will just ease some pressure on pressure on. It feels weird to say it, but seven 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 rather than kind of like the squad and the manager. It's the owners that are going to have less pressure because so are scored as that got himself sent off. But I mean, they they're happy that he's back. Hayden had a solid game. Gineppo, like I said, he has some flashes. It wasn't his best game, but. He'll get some fitness and stuff like that. So they finally get a win, open lose, VAR in the mud. Uh, yeah, just a, a nice, entertaining game at the Kerberg Stadium. Yeah, it was a bit of a circus, wasn't it? Did you have your popcorn, everybody? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting that Carl Lofkins was talking about this being, you know, this is our ground zero, this is where it begins for us, uh, which in some respects actually is kind of fair enough. Um, because you know they've 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 brought in some offensive intent, and you'll now get a chance to work with these players, and and uh, hopefully, um, 
you know, tweak the system a little bit and 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 be able to you know start to to do some damage on the pitch uh, like they did this weekend. Having said that, actually, um, when I was watching the game, despite all of Standard's relative dominance in it, they didn't actually create that much, and the game really swung on two really bad mistakes from an open perspective, you know, poor defending for, for the first goal just allows Kanga to simply get in behind in a way that a player never really should. I thought that was pretty poor, although his finish was very, very, very good. I wouldn't take that away from him at all. Really clinical finish. Um, the second goal is just, you know, comedy of errors. It's something that we've been, you know, highlighting a few times over the last three or four weeks about, you know, um, really awful playing out from the back um, and it just being kind of catastrophic in this case um, so the, the game really turned on two really bad mistakes and particularly when you lose you know, two goals so quickly in a key stage of a game like that, you're, you're obviously going to be up against it. They came out, um, you know, in a different gear in the second half, open and almost almost pulled one back kind of straight away, which would probably have made for an entirely second half if they if they had done. Um, and to be fair to open, they actually gave it a reasonably good go, um, you know, for the majority of the second half. And there was a, wee, a little period quite late on where it looked like, you know, if they could have got that second, uh, which I think was kind of Kofel's point. I think he was like, look, you know, I mean, there's that, that's where the pressure came from, really, I think, in, in, in hoping to to kind of claim that second that, that wasn't a second because that would have made the, the last few minutes very interesting. Ben was talking about how this game went on forever. I think the, the combined stoppage time between the first and second half, I think, was pretty probably around 20 minutes uh, if not just just over as well which is which is pretty extraordinary um, I didn't think there was that much stoppage time in either the first or the second half, so um, it was just just one of those games um, that, that there was there was you know uh, some weak refereeing in as well, not just that actually, not, to allow yourself to be bullied into what Ben was saying, kind of you know checking something that's already been checked against the regulations as well is yeah Ben's right to highlight that you know there'll be people watching that going okay and isn't it interesting that you know Carl Lufkins has already commented than that and saying yeah wouldn't that be nice I, I could take advantage of that so he's right you know there are people who who will try this now much like you know we've seen issues with players harassing referees in the pitch in, in leagues around Europe for, for ages now and in particular countries it's a, a very specific problem um, so hopefully that, that, that doesn't grow arms and legs but yeah just a slight note of caution for standard fans they will be delighted uh, Ground Zero has started well for them but um, still not creating a massive amount this weekend, uh, relying on mistakes to get the result done. They won't care. Carl won't care. They, you know, they're they're off the mark. But um, yeah, there's still plenty of work to to do. They, uh, and we'll, we'll see how they get on over the next the next three or four weeks with the with the new boys in the building now. First win since the 14th of April and in 13 league games. So that's definitely what they will take home from this, together with the three points themselves. Yeah, uh, yeah. You said a lot, of, a lot of things already here. I guess Sova uh, already scored more legals for Standard now after one game uh, than uh, than he did for Kuzuye. Uh, um, yeah, uh, Upe tuning out a bit too early in the sec- in the first half. Uh, mm. Actually, still a bit worrying you know, a little bit for Standard that they still there. There was this sense that Upe actually still could get back if that second goal would not have been disallowed. Um, mm. I, I, that would have been a, a fun. Well, what was left? Five, seven minutes left. 
uh, to watch and see if they learned from their mistakes from last season as well. Um, Finn Bogason also got his first goal, uh, and it was also off the mark, like I said, so many players this weekend. Valdi Krisha going back off after only 10 minutes without being injured. Yeah, that, that was also uh, the, the interesting man management from Hufkes. I mean, Valikusha had come on and had not been um, great at the at the goal that Finn Bogason scored. That's uh, and probably some other tasks that he did not uh, yeah fill in like Hufkes wanted at all. Alzate, yeah, with probably the, the, the given the given the, also yeah considering the uh, why to the dive. The minutes, well, 103, I believe it indeed it was. And like the score line by that time, so the game was all but one. <laughs> and it's one of the most stupidest cards you'll see this season for sure. And maybe, yeah. well, I would never even bet on the, the most stupid one. Uh, even, but uh, yeah, and that, only, that all, also on his, on his first game back yeah, as well. That, <laughs> <laughs> to add uh, more uh, to, to that, that uh, yeah, just. Yeah, well, it was a funny one, though. But uh, yeah, not 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 a very smart move there. Yeah, I mean, it was so stupid, um, and it was just like the like I think was it Paulson was just like livid. He was so livid. He thought because it's so funny when because I feel like referees love the drama of it as well. Do you know what I mean? Where they're like they blow the whistle, but they don't they don't indicate which way they've given the free kick, and then they reach for their pocket, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" And then they get get to give the card for the dive they love it they love the drama of it all i'm sure um and i mean they've been plenty of it in this game wasn't there um let's go to leuven uh they hosted ghent and got off to a really good start uh the new man bloons got his first goal of the season really nice play i think it was shrivers uh played the ball uh inside the kind of the back three of ghent to an on rushing Soglado. he crossed it in bruins he couldn't really miss, but I think he almost—he he kind of almost did because it—it it wasn't a clean finish. Uh, it was kind of very much what like Zakiri had to do in that goal against um, against Union. But yeah, he does kind of—it's almost behind him when he does put it into the net. But nice finish from him. Good for him to get off the mark. He needed that. Leuven absolutely needed that. Um, they needed their striker to start scoring some goals, and he has done. However, they couldn't hold on to that lead. Uh, 37, so about half an hour later, they get back in the game. Sven Kunz with the corner, Kandus heads it in. Preval, he, he starts to come for the cross, realises he doesn't get it, goes back into the goal, but then he's got absolutely no chance of keeping it out. Um, and that's basically how this one stayed. There weren't any more goals. Uh, Ghent had plenty of chances, though, 22 shots, 2.14 expected goals. Preval made a couple of saves, but they were really, really inefficient in front of goal. Nardi made had to, did have to come up with a really, really good save at the end of the game to ensure they actually escaped with a draw because uh, Leuven were just kind of hitting them on the counter-attack. But frustration for Ghent. They, they stay top or go top, stay top of the league uh, with that point um, after Anderlecht obviously picked up just that point. Um, and they still have a game in hand over them. For Leuven... Yeah, it's, it's probably a good point when you consider how good uh, Ghent have been. They now move on to six points. Um, it's starting to be, yeah, at the bottom there, they're kind of five points off the bottom with Vestalo, um, who are definitely happy that there's a bottom four uh, that they're going to be going into if that was to finish today because, yeah, the gap is starting to grow. But, yeah, I guess, guys, kind of the big takeaway from this one, Bruins, great to see Bruins get off 
off the mark. Um, surprised that with all those chances and all those strikers that Ghent have, they couldn't really find a winner. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary of the of this game. Really, I mean, I, two things for me uh, with this one. I'm not sure how Ghent didn't win it. They should have. Uh, really, and you know those worries about uh, Love and for me anyway are kind of increasing. I just I, I I'm struggling to see where they're going to score enough goals to 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 win games. Really, I think tactically they probably got this one right in that no they knew Ghent were going to largely dominate the game, so you know they were going to have to play a. Um, a, a counter-attacking game and that's where they were going to get their best opportunities the goal they scored was um, ridiculously easy um, kind of out of nothing I think Ghent just kind of switched off and, and gave them that for free to be honest ridiculous stuff um, Ghent should have should have got this over the line so you know for me this is a, a really good point from, from Leuven's perspective um, but yeah my, my worries for them are increasing I just I just don't see where the goals are going to come from to to, to win nearly enough games um, for them at the moment um, defensively they're, they're they're not convincing either so um, yeah the, the, there's nothing to suggest that you know they're, they're, they're going to go on a run or anything like that at the moment um, so I, I, I'm quite worried for them at the moment um, and from what I've seen in the opening seven games um, my, my, my worries for them which I had at the start of the season that I thought they were vulnerable are, are, are increasing because I do think I might be wrong about this but I do think that, that Charleroi's form um, will turn sooner rather than later um, and I think it'll turn ahead of Leuven's as well Standard obviously had a had a result which lifts them out of that that, that bottom zone as well um, this weekend so psychologically things have, have switched around a little bit for them and I just it just feels like the struggles going on and all of the background noise uh, inside the club which which hasn't been helpful or positive feels like it hasn't gone away even though uh, CEO Peter Williams obviously has kind of stepped down it just it feels like things have kind of paused rather than um rather than ultimately being dealt with and again I have a completely opposite feeling against uh, with Leuven I feel like they just started picking up points now four points out of the possible six with a game against Ghent, Wingstead as well, to, that they did turn their fortunes here uh, already. Um, but yeah, um, uh, of course, Ghent did score uh, four times even in this game, but three of them were uh, well well offside. So that that's uh, that th- that's another reason of, uh, that they they probably should have won this game nonetheless. And their unbeaten streak continues still. And yeah, like Ben said. With Brown Bunes, do uh, we have another uh, player of the mark? And yeah, like like I said, like I feel like Leuven actually started picking up points right in time for uh, for Mike Bess as a future at the club, at least for uh, the foreseeable future. Yeah, he'll definitely be one of the more relieved men um, in Belgium football. <laughs> Not just Belgium, in Belgium football at the moment. Um, yeah, it definitely was a kind of a weekend of, of first goals, wasn't it? Um so let's finish off at the Dio Wasabi Stein uh, for St. Truden against Mechelen. Didn't get off to a great start for Mechelen after 11 minutes when uh, Belhali had to be taken off. Um, I, it looked like one that you could kind of blame the pitch on uh, for me. Him and Bocat, it wasn't really anything malicious or anything out of the ordinary. It was just kind of run-of-the-mill shepherding the ball out. His foot seems to get st- stuck in the pitch. He goes down and Scott, you mentioned he, he had that kind of injury 
before joining Mechelen and it looked like he it might be the same thing because he just he knew instantly that that was it his game was up um which is a real shame because I think he gave them a really nice kind of attacking fullback uh, element that Sandy Walsh doesn't quite have um in the same way I mean Walsh still does try and get forward but he I, I think Berhali gave them a different kind of outlet there but to be honest, this was a game that St. Truden were just all over. Their football was fantastic. They were just picking Mechelen apart where they could. It was just, again, the finishing. Uh, fortunately for them, uh, Fatih Kai had a couple of chances. Um, I thought, oh, maybe today's going to be the day he's finally going to get that first goal of the season. He himself then got injured in the 28th minute to be replaced by Joselfo Barnes. But it was kind of the men in behind that did the damage for uh, St. Truden in this one. Um, Ito... Uh, with a lovely outside of the ball pass to Stoikers. Stoikers finding an on-rushing Hashioka. Hashioka just decided I'm going to hit this rather than kind of faff around with it. Smashes it in off the post. Kook doesn't even really move. 1-0 to St. Truden. They kept playing. Suzuki made a couple of really good saves. I think he ended the game with about seven saves in this one. Um, still doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. There's just moments of his kind of his aerial judgment, I guess you could say, of crosses just really still... It still seems like a work in progress, but shot stopping wise, I think it's undeniable. He has got he has got some talent there, and he made a couple of decent saves to keep Mechelen out. Then in round about the hour mark, um, Ito does really well to win the ball back. He plays it out wide. The ball goes into Stoikers. Ito just continues his run. Uh, Stoikers, the the pass is so good. It's such a good pass to find him. Ito shapes to curl it to Kook's left but he sticks it to his right instead with just yeah absolute venom to get his first goal uh, for St. Truden since joining it was a great great goal and it was one of those ones I was like finally they they, they found the back of the net and to be fair he was saying I think in some of the interviews before the game that he feels like he needs to start kind of adding some goals to this side because I think those midfielders are starting to realise that they don't have the firepower up front but they've got the creativity and the ability to create in behind so it's time for them to kind of step up for Stoikers I think and this is his first two assists of the season but the Pro League released their kind of stats for the first bit of the, the season before the uh, international break and he was the he created the most chances in the league but had no assists which is just ridiculous and just, it, again <laughs> it just sums up the way this team plays um, but he finally got two assists fully deserved I thought they were despite Suzuki having to make a couple of saves I thought they were pretty comfortable in this one I thought they were the better team uh, Torsten Fink came out afterwards he in, and they released kind of the, one of those behind the scenes of him talking to the, the players so you don't really know how much of what is said is actually recorded at that point, but he wasn't exactly, he said they did some good stuff, but it was like the keeper made seven saves and we've got to be better than that because we've got a derby coming up. But yeah, Mechelen, not, not great. Um, even though Scott, you said before you thought this was their, this is their best lineup. Um, so it's slightly concerning that even with this kind of best lineup, they were, they were definitely second best against the Canaries. Yeah, it was one of the first comments I made when we started watching this, didn't we? How pleased I was that Stephen DeFore had picked what I think is probably his strongest starting eleven at the moment. Um, lost uh, Rafik Belgali early, as, you, as, as Ben was saying. Uh, really frustrating. Don't know how bad that is yet. Hopefully it's not a reoccurrence of the injury that Ben was talking about, because if it is, he's going to be out for a, a good few months. Um, so we wait for news um, of that. Um, just want to, you know, Ben mentioned Suzuki, um, as did Torsten Fink. Um, right to highlight him, I thought he had a good game. 
Um, uh, I think he's looking really good very early on for St. Truden already, really commanding that area. Um, great communicator, um, seems to um, pass on confidence um, to his defence as well. Um, so, you know, he's he's looking really, really good um, and um, a bit of a fearless keeper as well, I think. You know, I kind of like that. He's, he's got something in that and his personality that I kind of quite like already. Um, something worth highlighting about Mecklen, we know how inconsistent, you know, we talk about them that in relation to them all the time because they remain consistently inconsistent, but they're poor away form um, does does need addressed, and it's not it's not so much the fact that they 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 they're not winning often enough away from home. I think it's the actual performance levels. You know, if you go away from home and you have a bad away record over a, a long period of time. Um, but at least you perform sometimes, uh, you know, you can go, okay, right, well, you know, the, the performance levels were fine. We didn't win, whatever. I think there is now a pattern that's been set in place for a long time, which is a definite problem, which needs attention, and that is just their actual performance levels and away fixtures simply aren't good enough, I don't think. I mean, it was obvious to me in the first 15 minutes, and I actually missed the kickoff of the game. I missed the first 10 minutes. But the first 10 minutes that I did see... Um, I was thinking to myself that the level that St. Truden were passing the ball and, and moving it um, was about three gears ahead of ahead of Mechelen's. Um, and I did think if St. Truden score first here, which they managed to do, the Mechelen were always going to struggle um, without really upping the tempo. Um, and it's very difficult to do that. Um, when you go behind in a game against a side who do play at quite a good tempo like St. Truden ha- have started this season. So there are some sort of recurring themes underlying Mecklen's away performances, which I think really should be concerning to Stephen Defer because you can't rely on your home form um, as good as their home form generally is. And there are too many good players in that Mecklen side to, to, to be able to... Yeah, be lazy enough for you to go. Well, it's our home form that ultimately is more important. They've got, they've got quite a lot to offer offensively, but in in away games, um, it, it's just not not turning up, and it's a wee bit frustrating. I suspect for Mecklen fans and for me to look at them this weekend and go, okay, that's quite a, a decent starting eleven. Um, all things considered, but it, it just it was it was less than the sum of its parts that, that this weekend. So I think there are some simple but important things that 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 need addressed there from a Mecklen perspective. And as Ben was saying, it was a pretty straightforward win uh, for St. Truden at the end. I I didn't really think they they got out of first gear. They didn't play quite as well this week as they've been playing recently, but managed to get was was a pretty easy win in the end, purely because of the tempo in which they they, they played the game at and it could have been more than two in truth it could have been more yep um yeah two streaks ended there Michaelis uh three games winning streak uh uh yeah so they, they didn't make it a fourth in a row that uh and uh Sintrada had not won after for in uh four games so uh they they got one so yeah that that's the main takeaways there I guess uh you guys said most of it I feel like Kuka maybe should have done a bit better on that second goal it went in in this corner, but okay, I don't think it was his uh, well, uh, fault that Michela lost here. Indeed, the, the overall performance. Uh, Schwolf also should have done a lot better with the chance, the one chance he got straight after halftime to equalize. Um, yeah, that's uh, that to to bring it on uh, to another uh, player, well, to another position. 
as well that could have turned the game. But uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah good for Sintrade and Mechelen back to dirt, I guess. Scott, over to you for some ch- some challenger uh, where streaks were ended, um, and yeah, there was plenty of drama. Yeah, streaks streaks were ended uh, indeed, Ben. Uh, score roundup: uh, RSC Liège beat Club Next three one. Young Genk lost four two to Zulta Varagam in a game that I saw all of. Um, Anderlecht Futures uh, lost three uh, one to Patro Eisden. Dender uh, ended Lommel's one hundred percent streak. They won three one um, at home in another game that I saw. Um, I've been watching a lot of CPL uh, this week actually. Uh, Beershot and Beveren uh, played out a nil nil draw. Denza beat Sarang one nil. Frank Baran uh, won two nil um, at home against Liers and Oostend um, are out of the drop zone, much to their fans' delight. Um, first win, they won 1-0 against SL16. So Lomalar are still top, uh, albeit they've lost their 100% record. Zalta um, are second now um, after picking up three points this weekend. And Zalta, interestingly, are um, there's something about them that just remains unconvincing, but I think they know that. Vincent Everard's been talking this week about... Um, there's a lot for him to consider and, and quite a lot to do. So I think there are things he's definitely aware of um, and, and unhappy with that he's going to tinker with. Patro Eisden, interestingly, are now up to third. They've picked up their third win of the season. Um, they've had a, a really strong start to the season. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if a certain Steph Peters, who obviously they've acquired now, can, can help them build upon that strong start um, because um, he he's a player who can make a real difference for you, particularly at this level as well. And Oostend, as I was mentioning, their first win and getting out of the drop zone. So they're, they're the really big takeaways from the, the, the Challenger Pro League this week. Yeah, and I'm glad you picked up on um, on Patrick being third. And then you got Fon Boran just behind them in fourth. So it's nice to see these kind of, the two of the newly promoted sides really kind of up and about there. Whether that will remain for the rest of the season uh, is yeah. obviously kind of, in progress, but uh, then obviously the age have obviously got off the mark as well. So it's good to see these kind of teams get going. But then, yeah, you look kind of near the bottom. Obviously, East End, like you mentioned, they, they've started to turn it around a little bit. But then you've got Sarang down there, Lies, who I think we probably expected. Yes, it's only been five games, but I think we probably expected a little bit more from them um, this season. And I think for some of those sides that have got, like like an East End. Like you look at Beer Scott, who went down a couple of seasons ago. Now that they're kind of languishing around in that in that league a little bit. Like yes, they got a, a good point against Beveren, but it's just yeah, you you can get stuck down there um, by the look of things. And that's another kind of uh, it was. I was kind of thinking about it with Vestalo, like how long they were stuck in and around that in and around the second division, trying to get promoted for so long, got up, and now like they've really invested and it's not going terribly well. They must be like desperate to not be scared, get stuck back down here. But yeah, definitely, definitely entertaining. Before we go, just a quick look over the fixtures that are coming up in Europe. And then obviously we'll discuss more of the fallout from those next week when they're in the books. But Barcelona uh, will host Antwerp. Then moving into the Europa League and Union will get to host Toulouse in Group of the Europa League Ghent they will face Zoria and then Club Bruges 
uh, they host Besiktas and Genk host Fiorentina. Those are all on Thursday. So I don't know how we're going to watch all of those games um, or keep abreast of all those games because, yeah, there's so much going on. But we're obviously more than happy that they have gotten all gotten in there eventually through one form or another. But, yeah. Anyway, that probably just about wraps it up for this episode. As always, guys, it's been a pleasure chatting all things Belgian football with you. It has indeed. And uh, good luck to all those Belgian sides in European action this week. And as ever, bring us back some coefficient points, please. Precisely. Nothing to add there. And uh, we'll be back soon. Absolutely. Yeah. And as for usual, if you like what we do and have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. And if you've got any questions for the pod, yeah, get in touch with us in the usual ways. We're more than happy to either answer them straight away or we'll answer them on the next episode. But yeah, as per usual, thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you very soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.